We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And my name's not really Ricky. Um, oh. Th- this whole time it's been a, a code name because uh, I'm, I'm an independent contractor. Oh. I feel like now is the perfect time to bring that up because today we are reviewing the 2003 romantic comedy slash crime movie, Gigli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think this is the perfect movie for us to to really cover this week because of Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. Um, and we went through the IMDb page. And of the many credits she's done, mm-hmm. this one really stood out to us. Um, and, and I think it's good for you and I to do, Ricky, because every podcast has to have a bull and a cow. <laughs> and I, I think we know which is which. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Let, before we go into this movie, uh, I feel like we really need to uh, give you a bunch of history. So, Gigli today is still credited with being one of the worst movies ever made. But you know what uh, we say? I don't buy say, that. No, no, no. We say that every movie is a miracle. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're going to go back. We're going to give you some details uh, about the making of the movie uh, and kind of contextualize how this movie was made because if you did uh re-watch this movie for this podcast first off thank you uh thanks for doing your homework wow, uh, yeah. and secondly um you will you probably have a lot of questions uh so let's go back to 2002 the year before this movie uh was released so um, from 2002 to 2004, um, celebrities Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were in a relationship, and they are actually credited with being uh, one of the first celebrity couples to have the jointing of their names in the paparazzi and the tabloids of Benifer. Um, oh, um, even before I it was Affleck's. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a close second for mm. that one. That's why um, no one knew what I was talking about. It's like Affleck's, Affleck's, like, Affleck's oh, is a hot couple, Affleck's. Hey, you should get that checked. Um, yeah, but like even before Brangelina, uh, Benifer was one of the uh, first couplings of names, and they were everywhere. Uh, paparazzi, like the the People magazines, the tabloids, the celebrity news, they were everywhere. Um, and because both of them exist in the Hollywood circle, um, they were going to be in the same movie known as Gigli. Uh, And originally, as legend goes, uh, the script was rewritten from a straightforward mob movie to Mm. a romantic comedy in order to take advantage of the Benefer media circus. Um, At the time, uh, the director, Martin Best, who made Beverly Hills Cop previously on this podcast, Mm. uh, was like, we could totally do that. You know, Eddie Murphy was an up-and-coming comic at the time, not necessarily the first choice but for that role, but they're like, yeah, we'll run with it. We'll make it a really solid movie. And so that's what they did with Gigli. So uh, the movie was made, it, and, you know, it happened. <laughs> so uh, upon being released in theaters, it got a ton of bad press. Uh, Grayson even uh, told me prior to us recording that uh, he remembers there was a certain Conan segment yeah. Uh, that was titled simply, Do Not Go See Gigli. Yeah, I remember uh, Pender, the trumpet player from Late Night with Conan O'Brien, used to sing songs about how you should not go see Gigli in theaters. And I feel like that probably 
hurt the film. <laughs> I I mean, even going back, I was looking through the star meter on it uh, through iTunes. It's got a 6%, which is one of the, the lower numbers we've seen here. Um, but yeah, the initial press was uh, was poor. Yeah, pretty brutal. Uh, with a budget of about $75 million, in the box office, it brought in $7.3 million. Uh, to the point where after its initial release, they uh, started pulling, the studio started pulling the movie from theaters, and it just never really recovered from there. Um, and it was a lot. This movie really went through the ringer. Uh, and Ben Affleck, uh, in a recent interview, or recent-ish, because uh, they interviewed him 10 years after the movie, uh, said that... Um, I got shorthanded as that guy, Jennifer Lopez uh, movie bomb. Therefore, he must be a sort of thoughtless dilettante, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's hard to shake those sort of narratives. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this image becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I said, I just don't want to do it anymore. This is horrible. I don't want to be in this spotlight, this glare in this way. It's uh, tard- uh, tawdry. It's ugly. It's oppressive. And it's inane. Uh, and a lot of words it's a lot of words i had to look up most of them um and after this movie ben affleck went on to do daredevil in 2003 um which um it it was you know we reviewed that movie as well here and you know how much we love that movie Mm. unironically it Mm. is an art piece Um, yes with another benefer yes with Mm. another benefer he certainly has a type (laughs) Listen, tell me what my co-star's name is, or I walk. Um, and so um, so Ben Affleck kind of went away for a while and then came back and started directing more behind the scenes because this movie kind of retreated him to the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, but we that, that's kind of the history and kind of a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes going to this movie. Personally, this is my first time watching Gigli. Um, I think that this is just a very confused movie. Um, I personally think that it doesn't know what movie it wants to be. Uh, I think that at certain times it is very much in the line of uh, this is like a Kevin Smith style movie where uh, it is dialogue heavy, but the stories that these characters are having is all uh, context to who these people are. Because uh, this, this reminded me a lot of Chasing Amy, another movie that uh, stars mm. uh, Ben Affleck that is more of a romantic comedy uh, with Ben Affleck kind of playing a, a very uh, similar-ish kind of character. Uh, but then at the same time, I constantly forgot that this was supposed to be a crime movie. I'm just like, oh, yeah, why are they together again? Oh, that's right. It, they kidnapped this guy? Uh, it also kind of has a lot of the uh, the feelings of an independent movie like an indie movie like yeah. a uh like a little miss sunshine kind of thing like we're in a car we're going to this thing we're trying to get to this destination and mm, it's you're thinking more, of logan yeah you know what that's exactly mm-hmm. what I, uh because yeah it just feels it feels like um it is trying to like be more of a coming of age story to some degree mm-hmm. um with uh you know we talked a lot about uh ben affleck and uh jennifer lopez but this movie has other people in it um you know we have uh justin bartha 
um, who is also in the movie who plays Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost feels like it's almost a coming of age story for him, but also for Ben Affleck's character. Like, I just think that there are a lot of elements in this movie that uh, didn't come out all the way fully baked in any real capacity. So I just think that that's what was missing. But um, sometimes all you need is a snack. Like for me, you're talking about the casting. I have never been told or <laughs> referred to by anyone that uh, Christopher Walken was in this movie. Yep. So when he knocked on the door, walked, we had a walk-in walk-on. Walk-in he walk-on. just hashtag walk-in walk-on uh, and says some of the most like crazy brilliant lines of the movie um that's see that's all i needed that's all i really wanted out of this especially when (laughs) he opens the scene by saying your door's not thick enough to pretend you're not home when you're home great i mean that's relatable we can all relate to that but ends the scene by saying marie calendar pies you know put on your head slap your brains out trying to trying to get to it you hear like i heard but i didn't understand and uh that's the journey yes and uh that's all i really needed from this and i feel like people aren't you know looking at those kinds of scenes (laughs) and and just kind of panning for gold because it's there yeah, you know, just dip your 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 little bucket in the river, shift it around <laughs> through the screen door, and uh, you got gold. Yeah, yeah. This movie really is. Um, you know, we we talk a lot of, on the podcast, um, almost too much. No, uh, we talk a lot on the podcast about how certain movies would lend itself to different mediums. I feel like mm-hmm. this movie was a stage play. Yeah, uh, so that's what I was going to say. If they remade it, just remake it into a, a stage play. We, get Sorkin to take a pass at it. Yeah. And you got gold, kid. You got gold. Because a lot of these monologues, like uh, Christopher Walken's uh, monologue, Al Pacino's monologue. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, what is what is happening? I mean, it's such a strong line, but I also feel like that these moments are the things that drew the actors in. Like, if you just hand, like, slide that, like, three, maybe five pages to Al Pacino, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he can just go, oh, yeah, I got a couple hours free on Tuesday. I'll come by the set. I'll shoot a thing. No wardrobe change. Beautiful. Uh, I'm going to keep my hair as is, by the way. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's how you get. And I think you're talking about the genre. I think that's where you attach them to, where you're like, oh, it's a crime genre get Pacino, get Walken, they fit right into it, which I think is why those two scenes in particular feel so memorable, because you're like, yeah, this is what the movie could be. They're in a different movie. Pacino goes off the rails, though, and I <laughs> love it. Oh, I love it. But I, that's my favorite, is the... Well, of course, I love Walken Walk-Ons, but I also love the Pacino swoop-in, where he is just in a few scenes, or one scene, like... um uh, what did I just see? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think there are a lot of similarities between Geely and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that people just aren't you know willing to look for. I mean, convertibles, huh? <laughs> California. There's uh, multiple apartments. Yeah. You just got to look for it. Yeah. I-, I love it when we watch movies that we had seen as a kid. But to me, Geely is, um, it was almost like a ghost story. That's been hunting me down for yes. most of my life. I knew 
I knew eventually that the day would come where I would be in a situation where I would watch Geely. I thought I'd be on a plane when it happened. I just always how I pictured it. Um, but it's almost like a reverse nostalgia. Like I'm nostalgic about not watching it. And now that it's here, I'm, I'm happy. I, I feel like this is the end of a journey for me. Um, but Geely has been approaching my life in the rearview mirror uh, for some time now. And um, I'm just glad that I'm, I'm glad this is how it happened. Yeah. And so if this hasn't happened for, for any of you out there, uh, just know that it's, it's there. Um, you may not be able to see it, but um, that last thought when you fall asleep at night uh, is 50% Geely. It is the ghost in the shadows that uh, is, is looming. Yeah. Um, so just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, because uh, I honestly, um, with, with when a movie gains such attention of like the worst movie ever made, mm-hmm. uh, you do tend to have pretty high expectations of like how bad it's going to be. But, you know, I think also on the opposite end of it, because like when this movie was being made, uh, I don't think people went to go see it and like, I can't wait to hate this movie. Uh, I think everybody who goes to see a movie uh, with the exception of movies like The Room or something like that, where it has gained this kind of notoriety of being so bad, um, you know, you do intend to enjoy it. And I think that um, people just didn't know what they were going to get. Uh, and so, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's true because I was bracing myself. Right. Um, and I, I, I can talk a little bit more about this and in, in reasons to recommend. Well, actually I should talk about it now because this is not a recommendation. I, it is, a um, it is, it is the warning on the side of the bottle. Um, the movie is problematic. I'd say content-wise, the movie is is problematic, especially in 2019. I'd say it's a surprisingly unwoke film um, in a lot of ways, and it, it surprised me. I, I'll say that, and I think that's what people are going to uh, take umbrage with the most. Um, but there are elements to it that I have seen. I have seen way worse movies, and we do say every movie is a miracle. I, I would say yes, this would be one of the the lesser miracles, but it is um, it's a, a it a lot of people worked on this, mm-hmm. and um, I think you could pull some aspects of this film to make something that uh, it, it if you just turned it a few degrees, it could have been something else. Because you were talking about other movies that it kind of made you think of, like it made me think of Swingers in a lot of way, and not just because yeah. of the bowling shirts. Um, it, it seemed like it could have existed in that world. And I, I love swingers has some of those moments like the, uh, we haven't reviewed it, but we should eventually, uh, has some of those moments where you're like, Oh, I think of that. I think for me, when I think of the Gili moments, it's going to be Christopher Walken and Al Pacino. And that's what I choose to remember. And that's how I can see like the silver lining. And, um, it's not a bad cast. It's, um, I mean, now I am getting into my reasons to recommend, but I think that I think that the movie gets a bad rap in a lot of ways. Some of them are deserved, and some of them are an avalanche. Because I was watching, I was thinking, it's like I like Ben Affleck. I like watching Ben Affleck films. I keep paying money to go see them. I love Jennifer Lopez. I think she's amazing. I like the cast. Justin Bartha has been some of the greatest. Uh, franchises in uh, yeah, maybe I overstated that but I love National Treasure and I love The Hangover and like th- this is a cast that is really enjoyable just remember 
this is all I'm saying, and then we can transition here. Just remember that for every Geely and every uh, fill-in-the-blank film that you have that maybe like, oh, Geely, Justice League, whatever, we, we have given multiple Oscars to Ben Affleck, and I believed that they were deserved both times. Screenplay to Goodwill Hunting, uh, directing for Argo. I love these films. So that is why we're able to say every movie's a miracle is because there are um, there are aspects of every movie that have risen above to get the movie made. Yeah, I think I I think I explained the soup that was in my head. That that's what I have uh have right now i was just i was just thinking like what a crazy job you know to tell stories for a living and you're not going to get every story exactly how you want it it's a it's a camel it's a horse designed by committee a lot of times and um some camels are faster than others if you know you're like racing camels i guess you would want a faster camel smoother than others some camels are smoother than others if you're looking for like a luxury camel I had so few notes this week. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I really love it. Like, because here, here's what I would think. Um, yeah. I, I think that um, in every movie, you have a head and a cannon. <laughs> and in this movie, I am the head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> Uh, Headcans are part of the show. We share a few unique ideas and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, so here, here's my biggest piece of headcanon. So uh, mm-hmm. I realize that we, you know, never said this. So this has just been ravings of a of madman. Uh, let me give you the synopsis for G Lee. Shall I? Uh, so yeah, we were just assuming. <laughs> You yeah. knew. Uh, so, low-level Los Angeles uh, mob enforcer Larry Gili, uh is commanded to kidnap uh, Brian, a uh, mentally handicapped, Baywatch-obsessed brother of a district attorney trying to bring down a mob lord and hold him hostage. Geely's boss doesn't think he's able to handle the kid alone, uh, so he has assassin Ricky, played by Jennifer Lopez, join him. Uh, Gili is attracted to Ricky, uh, but she turns him down, uh, and... I guess you'd say antics ensue, uh, but that's the main main uh, plot. Yeah, it's a nice spoiler-free plot. Yeah, and so uh, the movie ends with basically all parties leaving, and there is a line where um, Gili says something to the effect of, "Maybe I maybe I can get away and start something new, or like start all over." My headcanon is that Gili is the biopic of Pitt Hathlack. Okay. And it's his life before he became an actor. This then explains why so many of the things in this movie are so bizarre because they just happened to him. just like you can't make this kind of thing up that it, yes. it's so so weird it has to be true absolutely like uh i, I was watching an episode of comedians of cars getting coffee where uh i think it was one with uh jerry seinfeld and tracy morgan and tracy morgan says like uh you know uh it's this thing is funny because it's true and jerry's like no it's funny because it's funny i don't care if it's true if it's funny it's funny <laughs> um if it's not true make it up 
to make it funny. Um, and so that's his whole stance behind it. And I think um, a I, I think that that's kind of true with a lot of film. Um, like that's why any, any movie that is based on a true story, uh, there are certain conventions in film that help to tell a story well. Like whether it be the three act structure or whatever other story model, there's a reason why we do like the construction of stories. Mm-hmm. And so, because this doesn't necessarily follow any of those conventions. Uh, I think that it's because it was based off of real life events and he tried to tell the truest story of his actual life. I see. It's just a well-shot documentary. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I buy that. I had I had a, a few thoughts um, uh, around the world of headcanon. We'll, we'll just say three quick ones here. Uh, so the first one is that uh, it's possible that Justin Bartha's character, Brian, uh, grows up to be uh, the accountant uh, with Ben Affleck. He just styles his life after him, and it's good with numbers. Um, like it. That's the closest I could get to actually connecting universes. Um, my second one, well, I guess that's not true, because my second one uh, has to do with a throwaway line from Christopher Walken, where he says that, uh, I don't know, maybe Brian was just abducted by aliens. You think that he's being you know, facetious, but I think that this is actually part of the Cloverfield universe. And this could have easily been called like the Geely paradox or 10 Geely lane because aliens exist. I mean, all you need is for a spaceship to come down at the end and abduct Brian off the beach. And you're like, yeah, or a big monster alien walks out of the ocean and it's Cloverfield. Uh, And finally, uh, and this is what I think is actually happening here is that, uh, Gili is actually one extended commercial for Tabasco sauce. And um, because after that scene, I'll be honest, I, I wanted some Tabasco. He read the story of the history of Tabasco, uh, and I was, I was hooked. I want to see that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so not, not, not to jump ahead to recast and remake, but if they remade it, just make the Tabasco story. Make the Tabasco story. Yeah. It will be the Don Quixote of its day. <laughs> All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, what will we make? If this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I am of the thought that it's movies that didn't do well that are the best candidates for remakes. Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I think movies that didn't do well or missed the mark, whether it be uh, with audiences or with story. Um, I think that remakes should be used as redemption stories and not just like keep on remaking the same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I want Pluto Nash, Days of Future Past oh. or Days of Future <laughs> Nash. <laughs> so, yes. So, yes of that. Uh, so, I think the, the remake is Gigli. Um I think story-wise, what we need, I think the thing, the thing that was missing from this movie is agency mm-hmm. um, and also tone. I think I would have loved to see um, basically a mob movie comedy um, or a mob movie romantic comedy, but I don't think that they did either or really well um, or, or as prominently uh, because I did like both of them weren't particularly good at their job, kind of th- like yeah, like Jili uh, got half the money and he's like, "You're so bad at this," and then Ricky. She's like, uh, apparently, according to the IMDb, as an assassin 
who has problem doing assassin like things. Uh, so it's like you have two people who aren't very good at their job uh, working together to like be a good guy. Kind yeah, of they thing. do seem pretty um, ill prepared for their lineup. I mean, what would have happened if the coroner hadn't have been, you know, having lunch and had a plastic knife there? Was he just going to rip the thumb off? I see what you're saying. And so I think that it it would have been interesting to have either the situation be different for like uh, like basically all I'm asking is for the next Gili to be um, a Shakespeare mob movie where they are two feuding. They're mobsters from two feuding houses. Mm. Uh, they shouldn't be in a relationship with each other, but they somehow got contracted to work the same job. They find this romance between them, and then it ends up, you know, being something completely different. Uh, I, I think that that focus would have been the thing that is would have been missing. Because otherwise, we're just watching, like, there's no real agency. Like, okay, well, we kidnapped this kid, and, like, we have to like keep like he he didn't try to escape, so it's not like really difficult for that. For like there there nothing really got in their way other than like ah well I guess we're doing our job. I guess we're kind of okay with it. Well, and and spoiler for Geely, but we learned that through Al Pacino's character, no one wanted this to happen anyway. Uh, right. That this was just Lewis's call. And so yeah. there isn't the pressure there. It would have been interesting to see the brother, the like district attorney, or to see his was was how he was trying to get his his brother back. Um, but yeah, we didn't see that either. Yeah, like in the movie Collateral. Collateral, I think, is everything missing from Gili. Uh, <laughs> the, the violence, because... the 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 wrongdoing. The violence, the wrongdoing, but the relationships of two different people from two different worlds kind of uh finding their commonality their common ground mm -hmm. but ultimately um growing like like jamie fox's character he kind of got he became more of a uh he grew basically is what i'm trying to get to i see he grew as a character but i feel like both the characters in Gigli, uh ben affleck's character and jennifer lopez's character kind of stays stagnant they just stayed the same throughout the movie. It didn't really yeah. change at all. I see. So you would uh, take Tom Cruise from Collateral and mix him with Tom Cruise from Rain Man, and that would be the movie. Thank you. Okay. So more Cruise is what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there there is an interesting story that could be told here, or either just like, hey, like focusing on that, like you know, hit people or henchmen or like quote unquote bad guys. Having a conscience, like just focus on any one of these things. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh my gosh, you have a conscience too. Like, yeah, I hate killing people. Me too. Like, there's like, I think that there there are elements of this movie that I think if you pick any one of them, mm -hmm. you just fully flesh out that focus. Yeah, um, and you have you have a strong. I think you just have a stronger movie. I agree. I think they were worried about making him unlikable as a hitman, but he's so unlikable for other reasons that i mean i was thinking about it as like as a as a leading character he's pretty unlike i like hannibal lecter more than i like larry geely <laughs> as a person and lecter eats people famously um so i think that's kind of where the kind of half in half out genre wise we ended up um but yeah if if i were to recast this though um yeah. 
I, like I said, Jennifer Lopez was great. Um, but for today, I would probably cast um, Adria Ronha. She's in Good Omens, and uh, she, she's in more and more things now. I just think she's great, and she'd be great for Ricky. Um, for Geely, go with me on this. And I think this takes care of a lot of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Jason Momoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well. So it's less of like that kind of, hey, hey, like Vince, I'm going to call Vince Vaughn criminal. Less of the Vince Vaughn criminal type. Yeah. And more of just, yeah, I'm a guy who I do bad things. I'm not like a stereotype of any kind of one guy. Like, he's just Jason Momoa. He's good looking, strong. I believe that he could, you know, intimidate people into doing crime things, whatever. I think he would be great as Geely. Um, for Brian, Justin Bartha's character, this is the real magic of the remake. Uh, in, instead of being the character that he was, you make Brian's character an old man, like a really old guy that uh, maybe he's senile, he's cantankerous, he's just kind of hard to manage in that, in that way. Uh, but I want him played by Alan Arkin. And uh, just him being like, I want to go to the Baywatch. Like, he's just saying that kind of stuff over and over again. So you really took my Little Miss Sunshine comment to heart. It, it, I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> you know, Alan Arkin from Logan. And then um, <laughs> finally, uh, Christopher Walken is the shining gem of this movie. But I would like to see what that scene looks like with Nick Cage. Um, I think Justin Bartha got me on the, the oh, cage route, but oh, I want Nick Cage oh, just to man. knock on the door, enter for four glorious minutes and be like, I'm going to go get some pie and he's gone. Yeah. Yes. I, I can't. Yeah. That's a, that's perfect. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. And I do think if they remade it, they should go. So when I was searching for it, Amazon prime kept trying to get me to watch the Spanish version for some reason. And uh, the Spanish version, the title isn't Geely, it's Una Relacion Peligrosa, so a dangerous relationship. And I think probably the Geely name has a lot of baggage with it. You go with a dangerous relationship and people are like, oh, I'm intrigued and I'll watch anything with Jason Momoa and Nick Cage. So uh, that's the partnership people are waiting for. I love it. Now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you... Are, yes, there are reasons to recommend. Uh, so, Grayson, why would you recommend Geely? So, I recommend Geely um, because for all of its problems and bad press and whatnot, it's ultimately a story about communication and understanding others from different worlds. Um, especially the the main three in this film, they um, are all isolated in different ways. And um, I think it's about being lonely even when you're surrounded by people. I think the location is great. They're in L.A., very busy city. They feel isolated. Um, but they, they're, they're sad. And uh, they, they dream of a life different than their own. And I think that's what makes them you know, worth watching for two hours. Um, they, they have dreams. You are very clear what those dreams are. Um, and when they don't mesh with their current reality, that's the conflict there, and they they want to obtain those dreams. And so I think it's about being able to vocalize what you really want and uh, being able to talk to others about where you are and helping each other to get to where you want to go together. And if you don't know what you want, talk about that and, and have others um, kind of help you on that journey. 
And uh, that's, that's what I got from this movie. And I was surprised to go on that journey just from what I had heard. Um, but I, uh, I don't know. I was kind of moved in that way. And um, I, I feel like I saw through a lot of the cynicism and, and whatnot to be able to see what they were trying to do here and what they were actually saying as storytellers. Um, and also, I'd say Jennifer Lopez, uh, reasons to recommend watch for her she really is great and um she's got she has what i'd call a controlled intensity in this film because the scene that made me think of it was when she's talking about the eye removal she's got the monologue where she's talking about how she would go in and take out a guy's eye um and she's like trying to intimidate this group and it's scary like she's stone cold whenever she's delivering this monologue um but she does it in her own style and uh, it's moments like that that i i recommend this movie uh, i would say there's burst performances you get like these burst performances throughout the movie where you're like oh yeah no i get how this was sold and and the the spirit behind this film so um yeah what I would recommend is see this movie and judge for yourself. Uh, and just like that prospector with the pan of gold, um, I think that the challenge for your own self is don't, don't resort to cynicism. See what you can pull out of this. Cause, um, it's not a wasted two hours. There are lessons and performances and choices that can be pulled out of this that if for nothing else are just fun, uh, I'm going to Marie Callender's going to get some pies. Yeah, I would recommend this movie because um, in the world where, you know, like, like this movie did garner a reputation and some would garner? say. Garner? Right. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong movie. Uh, it did uh, Jennifer Garner a good reputation. Um, and some would say deservingly so. But I, I would really recommend this movie uh, for anyone just curious about what makes a good strong story, because like watching this movie, it wasn't like oh man, this movie's so bad. I'm like oh man, like I think they just missed these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a movie that uh, was born from a lot of celebrity pop culture and tabloids and all these other things. And so it is also very uniquely a product of the early 2000s uh, pop culture. So I, I, I think it's, it's a really interesting uh, kind of little time capsule of like, um, you know, what can happen when those two things uh, exist. Uh, and, you know, like people, like we, people have made, you know, lesser movies for worse reasons um, that, other than you know like, what oh. that's so true <laughs> it's just like oh yeah like we could probably make money off of like these celebrities being popular or famous or whatever uh but ultimately i i think that the movie i think it is a little half-baked but i don't think that that takes away the merit of the movie i also like just random rant in the middle of this you brought this up uh, uh to me and i've been thinking about it ever since you shared how in Samuel L. Jackson's Masterclass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find our link to a promotion for Masterclass in the description below. Sorry, no, you can't. That'd be cool. No, it's to Tabasco sauce. Actors can only really act. Um, it's the only thing that can happen with committee. Like, mm-hmm. you know, actors need a stage or a script or a movie to perform. Yeah, and painters can paint on their own. Musicians can play their own music. But actors have to be almost allowed to do like what they do 
by a group of people. Right. And so I think for that, um, I can obvi- I can very clearly see why every actor who is in this movie would want to be a part of it. Because, like you said, there are really a lot of golden moments. Like, I think Al Pacino does not regret that check that was written to him because he's like, I got to play such a intense and like bizarre character in this like yeah. glorious four I'm minutes. floating. <laughs> Same with Christopher Walken. I get it. I get why these actors would want to be in this movie because those moments are fun. That being said, I think that um, as a movie, it, it does fall short um, in delivering on what a lot of what it was expecting to be. Like, it's a crime romantic comedy. Like, I still stand by. I think it could have been more of both. Um, but like you said, you there mean because there's like moments. not really a whole lot of crime and it's not very romantic. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> Oh, got it. Uh, but I do think that there are these moments and you you can really point to and see like, oh, I get it. I understand how this movie got made and how people like all parties involved got to this. And sure, it wasn't received by everyone, but everyone has moved on from it. And <laughs> except for us, <laughs> except for us. Yeah, we're the we're the Captain America of movies. Everyone else can move on. But uh, yeah, not us. I think that uh, especially when it comes to like career ending movies, quote unquote, like there's always room for like something else. And I think that, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck would prefer to not have gone through this movie. But like maybe he wouldn't really have doubled down into directing. Maybe we would. Maybe we have this movie to thank for Argo or. Yeah, you don't know. Gone Girl. Like, uh, who knows? Who knows? No, you're right. I think there is a butterfly effect to careers and um we don't know which domino this is yeah that's super mixed metaphor but you know mm-hmm. th- that's how we do it here yep we mix the butterfly it all domino the effect. butterfly domino effect when a when a domino falls and crushes a butterfly the storm that it would have made on the other side of the world allows for them to finish their domino game i wrote down so few notes <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> and that is our review of the 2003 uh, crime romance movie, Gigli. Let us know if you actually watch Gigli. Mm. Uh, that's, the, that's the thing I want to know. Have you actually seen Gigli? Let us know uh, on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. I'd also like to know uh, if you had an alternate, t- if you have seen it, and you have an alternate title for Gigli, what would it? be because uh, for mine it'd be the babysitter's club i think that's a more accurate uh title than geely i mean it doesn't help people didn't know how to say it. even even to get siri to find it i i had to intentionally pronounce it giggly and that was the only way she would search for it and it would mean a lot to us if you could go to your podcasting platform of choice and leave us a five-star rating and review mm. letting people know that this podcast uh is a five-star podcast mm-hmm. because we, we, I would love it if we if this podcast had a higher rating than Gigli. So, like uh, on a scale of one to five pies, you know, five pies. You put them on your head. You slap your brains out trying to get to it. Yeah, you hear? Uh, I'm just saying the this podcast is too too here to pretend that it's not here. Please leave us a five-star rating if you love Grayson's impression of Christmas. Now I know. I need at least three pages of notes for every episode. That's the minimum. And be sure to see you next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. 
next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Well, we're all out of blood. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what you want to hear, ever. (laughs) Oh, especially at a vampire buffet. Uh, So we're going back and watching First Blood. Uh, First Rambo. All out of blood. I'm so lost without you.